Well, I'm excited to be here today. I'm excited to see you. It's, it's always good. I always feel funny when I miss a Sunday. It just feels like I've missed weeks and weeks and weeks. So it's good to be back. Appreciate Alan today being here. And I know we have a lot of other guests, and welcome. It's good to see you. Some of them I've met already, some I have not. We actually have some guests from South Africa here today. You, can, you guys can just wave. I'm not going to call you out. But thank you guys for being here today. I'm glad you were here. And uh, it's a very exciting story, which we'll have to tell soon. But I titled the sermon something that um, I know seemed, may seem to you a little controversial. Uh, what COVID stole. And you may ask yourself a few times today, like, I can't believe he's talking about this. But that's okay. We're, we're going to do that. Do you guys remember life in February 2020? Does anyone remember what it was like? Yep, the Chiefs had just won the Super Bowl. Does anybody remember that? I know last year it was close, but I mean, seriously, they had just won the Super Bowl. And we were all celebrating and things were happening. It was, it was an exciting time. I was just trying to go back to that because uh, then I had my, my father actually passed away right in the middle of that. So I was in California. And, uh, and, and so then, you know, we hear on the news, everything's shutting down and everybody's racing to the groceries. You remember this? You couldn't find toilet paper? And I was thinking I was going to leave, be leaving my mom there. And, uh, you know, I have family there too. But I thought I do not want to leave my mom without toilet paper. Am I right? You feel me? So I literally, I literally would get up really early in the morning and go to store after store. After, I mean, Walmarts everywhere and Targets and grocery stores just to make. And, and what was crazy is it took me a lot of trips just to even get her a couple of rolls. I mean, it was ridiculous. And water. I mean, oh, my goodness. Do you guys remember that? I'd never even heard of Wuhan, China. It sounds kind of cool to say, but I'd never heard of it before. I'd never heard of what a coronavirus was. Now I found out not only is this COVID-19, which means there's 18 previous ones that we are in our society, they're in our world, and we have them, don't have them, and we get them, don't get them. They're, you know, flus and colds. I mean, never heard of that. Remember when the lockdowns were announced? Do you remember that? Remember the 15 days to slow the curve? <laughs> Do you remember what that was? Remember what it was? Remember what that meant? It's a long time ago, so it might be hard to remember. Remember what it meant? It meant that we don't want to overload the hospitals. There wasn't an expectation you weren't going to get it. It was the idea was we don't all get it at once, because if we all get it at once, then remember? I heard this the other day that made me laugh out loud. Yeah, the whole thing about the the 15 days to slow the curve, the hardest part is that first 18 months. (laughs) (laughs) And then mandates started coming down. You know, we didn't know what was going on. Everybody's trying to be safe, and that's good. You know, we even, I don't know if you guys remember this, but because I had been in California, we wanted to be extra safe, so I literally came home and stayed two weeks in the basement. Remember that? And then movement was restricted, choices were limited, people are isolated, self-isolated, isolated. I remember even during that time, you know, I'd sneak out I wasn't sneaking out but I I would go like to Walmart to get something and I felt like I was I I felt like I was sneaking around and then you'd see people and and not people I knew but you could tell everybody's just kind of looking at each other like are we all right to be here is this okay church shut down and we were I I look back and I'm again I'm so grateful to our staff because we we literally produced services here on site to and we went online you know faster than we intended and all of that happened like it happened Wow. And, and I was reminded just the other day because um, I've, I've been to a couple hospitals and, and we mentioned Frida and God bless her. I, I remember going, I went to see her at, um, 
at St. Luke's on the plaza, and I had, you know, I, I know it's hard to relate, but as a pastor, we go to hospitals all the time, typically. And especially when I was at Sheffield, a lot of our people would be at St. Luke's on the plaza. So I, I was driving up, and I'm thinking, I haven't been here for two years, year and a half. I, I literally was thinking, and I tried to go in the entrance I normally do, and they had it blocked off, probably for COVID. I'm just kidding. I don't know why. You know, everything's changed, and we'd say it's COVID. But So I went into to this where I normally go, and I had, you had to go check in. Of course, they take your temperature. You had to go through all the protocol. And then um, they asked me, do you know where you're going? Because, you know, that, that hospital can be kind of a maze. And I actually did in this case. And so I said, yeah, I do. But it seems so strange because where I had to check in, that was all set up, didn't exist before. What, what, all the little tables they had out and all that. So anyway, it, it's such a strange thing. And then I, it, it reminded me the other day, I remember, do you guys remember the flu season like three years ago? It's like the one year I got the shot and then got the flu. <laughs> Which had nothing, I'm not saying it had anything to do with that. All I know is I went to the same, you know, minute clinic or wherever where I got the shot. And I remember I went in and I, I said, I, I'm, I've got the flu. I've got the aches. I've got the fever. You know, I'm, and she's like, she looks at my record and she goes, you can't have the flu. I'm like, why? She goes, well, you got the shot here, you know, like a month ago. And I go, yeah, I know. And she goes, oh, they're going to be mad if you get the flu. I'm like, who's, who's going to be mad? She goes, well, that just means if you got it, then we missed the strain on the shot and we're going to get flooded. And sure enough, we were. Do you guys remember that? Because I do remember going to hospitals. And I remember one time I went to visit somebody and they said, well, you're going to have to go in through the ER. And I'm like, ER? Like, why would I? And they're like, they're in the ER. Like, well, they're not. It's not an ER. Th-. And they're like, that's where they are. So when I went in and checked in the ER and told them what I was doing, they said, okay, yeah, just walk down this hall. Literally, the entire hallway was lined with people getting checked out. The whole hallway. And the reason this person I was seeing was in the ER is because the entire hospital was full. But nowadays, we look at it like, oh, yeah, I forgot that happened then. It was, it was the strangest thing. And we all want information, and we all go places for information. And I don't know about you, but I feel like if I can get good information, that'll settle me down a little bit. It'll calm my questions. But now we're in a, in a way where it's like if you go here for information, you hear one thing, and then you hear over here, you hear something different. And then sometimes you hear something different from the same people that said something the other day. It's like, now it's different. Oh, it's hard to do. It's crazy. You've learned all these new terms about, you know, cases and comorbidity. I never heard comorbidity before. And I don't want to know what that is. I don't want my world to be like that. I don't want it to be like that where I have to think about that. And when I hear how many cases and then I wonder, well, wonder why they had... I want to just care that they're hurting, not wonder why or how. It's just added so much confusion, and people are so isolated. It's, it's weird. And then masks, no masks. What kind of mask? Mm. Can we talk about these things today? You know what I worry? It's that some of you are thinking, I wonder if he agrees with me because I might have to cancel him today. actually chokes me up to think that. That if I say the wrong thing today, you may unfriend me forever, or life, or at least through this. But that's where we're at, right? Because that's happened to me. Do you know what a spike protein is? Because I do now. We have vaccines in record time. You remember what those are for? You know what vaccines are supposed to do? They induce your body to produce antibodies. 
right? And then millions have had the coronavirus. I, almost, I thought, well, maybe I should ask everybody to raise their hand if you've already had it. And then I thought, well, that might be prying too much. I don't want to do that. But I know I've had it because I have antibodies. Because when we did one of the blood drives we did a couple months ago, which we have another one coming up, by the way, please give. They are in dire need. So you will see, it's in the, it's in the program. You can look at it. You can go online, register for our location at the end of the month. Please do that. Then you get natural immunity because when you have the disease, it produces antibodies. But it seems like we can't even talk about that. It's so confusing. And we've lost loved ones. I've done funerals for people who've died of this. It's serious. Good friends of mine have passed away. And that's not all that's going on. I don't know if you've noticed inflation is rising. Has anybody noticed that? You ever noticed? Have you noticed how much it costs to fill your tank these days? And you think about that, it's the same for truckers. A good, tr- a good friend of mine, he watches service quite a bit. I hope he's online today, but you know, he had a flat tire, and I was just thinking about this happened, I think, the day before yesterday. It took him five hours to get back on the road. And I'm thinking about how much that adds to the cost of everything, because you know, everything on your shelves is got there by a truck. Those guys, I mean, they make the world go round, and we don't think about that very much. So as that cost goes up, then that increases the cost that we spend on everything, including inflation, and so everything goes up, and so that creates even more. Have you seen how many hundreds of container ships are in the bay, or in the Gulf, and off the coast of California? You know why they're there? It's kind of like what Alan was talking about. They can't find workers to unload them. That's one of the reasons we're struggling. We may not get paint for our parking lot for months. Some of the companies I called, oh, we're scheduling six months out because we don't have paint. Like, what? Why is that? And then they tell me. It's crazy. Cost of gas. It's, it's like a hidden tax on everything. Here's my point with saying all this. We've all been through a lot. And it's not just us. It's the entire world has struggled with this. The entire world. And it's not just this. Because this doesn't come in isolation. It's all of us. All these experiences, they put stress on everybody. Stress on everything. And it was my goal, but then I feel guilty almost. I was trying to elicit some stress in you. So have you realized what it all is going on? We're, we're all under this. And you know what stress does? It, it, it pushes and it reveals cracks. Have you noticed that? Anything under stress does that. That's one reason why a lot of times they, they stress test things to make sure it's sound and solid because that stress produces that. Have you noticed that when the heat goes up, maybe, you, maybe you're in one of those... I know I used to, when I worked for an electrician in summers in high school and college, it was so funny. I remember one day we were having a heat wave in San Diego, which, to be fair, is like, you know, 85. But still, it's hot. Or 90, maybe. I mean, if it gets up, in, up into the higher 90s, it's unheard of, you know, it's just that hot. But you know what happens? Electrical stuff starts breaking. And I remember once kidding my boss, I said, you look a little too excited about everybody's discomfort today. Because what he knew is we were all headed out on trouble calls trying to figure out what was broke. I know the HVAC guys do the same thing, but that's the point. When there's stress on the system, the system starts to show the flaws and show what's wrong. And we're all under stress. I don't, and again, it's, it, it, it's not about where you're at on these issues. My point is that we're under stress and it affects a lot of things. And then that stress affects other things. I hope you, I, I hope you realize this. I mean, sometimes it literally feels like a weight, doesn't it? And you wonder, what is going on? What is all this? And we start to just get used to it and live with it because it is how life is right now. 
Maybe you feel it in your eyes. I mean, there's some days I wake up and I know it's age maybe, but also I'm like, why are these feeling this way today? Or your face. No jokes, just face. Your sleep. Maybe your motivation to do things. And you wonder, what is all going on? Well, it's, it's all the stress. And then, and then hearing, you know, again, what Alan was talking about with these, with how, 100 families a month contact him. And what happens to those kids? Where do they go if he can't help them? I don't know about you. I was back there getting all emotional, just thinking, God Almighty, what happens? And that's not just them. I'm sure it's accentuated by what's going on in the world, but we are feeling it too, whether you realize it or not. Where it really breaks my heart the most is when it's in those, when it starts to tear apart relationships. Because even our relationships can have weaknesses and cracks and fissures that we can get by with and not even talk about or address. But when the pressure's on, it starts to reveal itself more. Maybe you found yourself being short with one another. Maybe maybe you found yourself being a little more uh, quick quick to be uh, critical. And you even maybe have maybe have inside said, "Why? what is going on? Why did I say it that way? I don't, I'm not, I don't normally feel that way, but I just did, and it's bubbling up because all these other things that you maybe can't even put a finger on are causing those issues. Think about what's going on with the glaring stress in homes and families and between friends and even here at church. See pastors and people from other churches that I've known, and they'll always ask, how's it going with your church? And I'll tell them, you know, from my perspective. Then I ask them what's going on. And I, I, I hear stories of things happening in churches or some that still are, are just struggling to have meetings. Maybe for you, you walk in sometimes and you just feel a little more distant, a little more hesitant. Do you remember when we first opened up? Do you remember that? I almost felt like I did sneaking into Walmart. Like, are we allowed to be here? And you see people maybe you haven't seen in a long time. Or you might see people and all you're seeing is from here up and you're just wondering, do, do I know you? But you know how awkward that can be, right? You walk up and you ask somebody, are you new here? And they're like, no. And then you feel like, oh, I just insulted them because I don't know them. And part of being here is to be known. And yet there's more than just the stress of all this going on because sometimes it can just be a function of where we sit in the auditorium. I mean, somebody was kidding around about, you know, what door people come in. And, you know, in the beginning of this facility, we've almost been here 20 years, that entrance over there wasn't a thing. So people either came in the middle or this side over here. And so typically newer people are, I don't know if you realize this, but from my perspective, looking at you, newer folks are here, more established are here. Typically. That's not always true. And you walk in and you think, they don't look like they want to talk to me. And maybe you do what a lot of us do, and you wonder, did I say something? Do they, do they know me? Are they having a bad day? And what do we do? We avoid that relationship because we don't know. Or maybe you don't know them, and maybe for you, you're more of an introvert, and it's awkward, and you don't know what to say. I'll give you one little quick thing to say. Here's, here's a good thing to say. How long have you been here at going to Crown Point? Because that doesn't say you haven't been here and doesn't say you haven't noticed them. It's just asking how long you've been here. Sometimes that's a great crowd breaker, opener for you. What I've noticed, though, because of all this that's going on, we're kind of wary of each other, a little bit on edge. We're not sure how to act or what to say or whose side are you on. 
Can we still be friends and disagree? I mentioned that suicide that happened in the Lee Summit schools uh, two weeks ago now, but the service was yesterday. Suicides are up nationwide. Is that pressure? Is that pressure, pressure, pressure? In the military, of course, it's skyrocketing and even more after that withdrawal from Afghanistan. Abuse is up. Statistics are frightening. Even people getting kicked off airplanes. I mean, that used to be rare. Now it's happening all the time. All that pressure and stress of traveling and then all the distrust of government. You know, you come into church and a lot of times you can't see smiles and you wonder what's going on. You remember, have you ever done this where you've, you've gone away for something? Maybe you went away to college or maybe you had a job, haven't been around a while. Or maybe you went on a trip and then you come back to people who you knew and it just seemed like they changed a little bit. Have you ever noticed that? And here's the truth. They, they have changed. But a lot of times you, you don't notice it when you're in constant relationship with people because that change is gradual and progressive and, and it's slow. But the, then when you're away from people for a minute and you see them, whoa, you've changed. Like you're taller, thinner. That's always a good opener too. Man, you look thinner. What? <laughs> don't tell me that because I know it's not true. I don't, I don't want anybody. You don't have to kid with me about that. Your hair looks good. No, don't say that either. It's all good. The thing is, we do change, and things have changed. And I think because of that, sometimes we're not sure what to do. It's, a, it's all these things that are just pushing on us, and we wonder. And I think for us, a lot of times, we're kind of back on our heels, and we're not sure how much to engage or how much is okay to engage. And, I, you know, it's just, it's just who I am. I mean, I'm, I'm a hugger, toucher type person. When I greet you and I haven't seen you, i got to watch myself and like, oh, are we hugging? Because you don't know, right? Are we shaking hands or are we, you know, doing the fist bump thing? I never really felt authentic doing that. It just, I don't feel like I was that cool or tough to do that. Some of you are and you do it and it's, it's, it works for you. For me, it's a, this feels weird. I don't know what to do. There's somebody, you know, you tap an elbow. I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. I, don't, I, I think for some people, we wonder if we're going to be accepted. Or then if we're honest, maybe we've felt a little unaccepting, a little judgy, judgmental. It could be tough. I want us to look at a passage of scripture today that's not the same. Okay, I don't want anybody to think I'm saying we're in the same position as them. But it's similar. It's a similar situation, not the same. I don't want you to misunderstand. This is a letter that Peter wrote. And in case you don't remember who Peter was... He was one of Jesus' closest followers. He was in the inner circle. It was Peter, James, and John. He had 12 close followers, but those three were the closest. Some would say Peter was closest. Now, John, if you read John's gospel, he keeps saying, I'm the one Jesus loved. So there had to be that internal conflict over that. Peter was a fisherman. He was, he was a man that lived in the elements. He was impetuous. He was excitable. He was eager. I like this guy. He jumped out of the water and walked on water, out of the boat and walked on water when Jesus was walking on water. I like that guy. He did that. He also, when, when Jesus had risen from the dead and they were fishing and 
and he appeared and he was on the shore and, and they recognize who he is. He also is the guy who jumped out of the water then. And some, some verses mention it was like 100 yards away. I like that guy. He was also the guy at the garden who drew a sword and cut off somebody's ear trying to defend Jesus. And Jesus put the sword back and said, or put the ear back on and just said, we're not doing that today. He's also the guy who preached a sermon on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. He's the guy who, when uh, Herod had killed James of that inner circle, James, John's brother James, he also had Peter arrested and intended to kill Peter as well, but God wasn't done with his ministry, so sent an angel to to, uh, help him escape from prison. It's a cool scripture. I love all the details that make it so real. Because even when Peter gets out of jail and the angel disappears, he's like, oh, this is real. It's not a dream. I thought I was having a dream. (laughs) I love that. This is Peter who was eventually crucified upside down for his faith because when they were getting ready to kill him, he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus. You know, they never wavered in their eyewitness accounts. Here, here, the day Jesus was crucified, they were all afraid. Peter denied him three times. They ran and hid. But once they saw the risen Lord, it was on. And they went to their deaths proclaiming his life because they saw the risen Lord. They knew what had happened. And as the persecution of the, of the Christians got more and more intense from the Jews and also from the Romans, they started to spread out all around the region. This letter is written to them. Those who are under a pressure, yes, it's not the same. I'm not saying that. But it's similar. Their communities were under pressure. Their families were under pressure. The religious community was separated. The culture was changing. Stress. It was way worse for them. But similar. Here's what Peter writes to them. We're going to read the the end of chapter uh, 5, 1 Peter. And now a word to you who are elders in the churches. I too am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He's bringing up the whole eyewitness thing there. And I too will share in the glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. I love he says fellow elder. I want you to see what he's saying. That Peter, who was probably a little arrogant because there was a point where Jesus is talking about them all... uh, abandoning him and he goes these guys maybe not me and now he's saying actually i'm one of you fellow elder and he goes on and he says i appeal to you care for the flock that god has entrusted to you watch over it willingly not grudgingly not for what you will get out of it because but because you are eager to serve god don't lord it over the people assigned to your care but lead them by your own good example and when the great shepherd appears you will see receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So that if you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen.
This is how he ends the letter. There's four more chapters ahead of this. I want you to see a couple things. The first part, he's writing to leaders in the church or leaders in the group of believers because they were scattered. They weren't meeting like us. It wasn't like this where they came into a building that was exempt from taxes and, and they were recognized as a church. It was not like that. They were on the run. So yes, they had stress more than us, but they had stress and it was affecting them. And he says to those leaders, whether they were the pastors or the leaders of the groups, he says this, do it willingly. Do your ministry willingly. Be eager to serve. Live as role models. That's what he tells them. He tells them in this huge time of stress, gather your people together, defend the church, be humble. Peter, be humble. You know what his humility flows from? It's recognizing that everything we do is on the dependence of God himself. None of us are self-made. None of us can do it ourselves. None of us are really protected because of money or anything else. We realize, hopefully more than ever, that any of those things can be plucked right out of our hands at any moment. <laughs> we don't own anything. We're, we're really just surviving because God is good. True humility. And he says all this to all these leaders. I, I would say this. As an application, that could also be applied to any of you who are leaders in this church. Yes, it was probably written to the leader, leader of the church, but you were all leaders. And the way God has told us to do it, he says in Ephesians 4 that we as you know, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, we're to equip you for works of service. You are leaders. You're leading groups of people. The next part of it is, is really for everybody. And he says a couple things that I think are really interesting. First thing he says is, yes, we're in difficult times. He's basically doing what I've done today and acknowledge the fact that this is difficult. The whole world, it's difficult for everybody. And he tells them, understand that this is difficult. And really what he's doing is kind of a callback, callback to the previous chapters in the book. Because you may not remember this, but in, in chapter 3, he says persecution comes to all faithful Christians. And in chapter 4, he says that painful trials are a part of every Christian's life. And another place in chapter 4, he says that God's purifying judgment does this and that we're humbled because we get to survive this. Now, this may sound weird to you, but there's this guy I've heard on the radio a few times. He's not from around here. I haven't heard him very much lately, but he, he always ends like his program by saying something like, we're, we're all living in a time God's called us to live. So basically, he's challenging people, stand up to your calling because you've been placed on this earth for this time. I don't know about you, I, I've wondered, what would it be like to live in Jesus' day? And watching those, those, that, the, that TV series, The Chosen, talking about Jesus' life, is just fascinating. And I don't know about you, too. I mean, I, I think about other times of life. I read history a lot, and I'm just thinking, what would it be like? What would it be like? You know what? We're living today. And what you're living in today, God has called you to live in. So he expects you to do, if you're a leader in the church, he expects you to do it willingly and to be eager. And not only that, to be a role model to the people you lead. I would like to extend that even to you as parents. You are leading your kids at a difficult time. And they watch you. They see how you handle the stress. They, they see what you, you know, what, what you do with what's going on. They see how you treat one another. They are watching everything. He tells these people to accept the time that you're living in. Recognize that this is a painful time, but it's time. He challenges us to be humble. <laughs> it's so funny. He, he literally says, choose hum humility. In the text, 
choose it. You know, as we look at Peter's life, I don't know that he was an arrogant guy, but he might have been. You know, does anybody think that maybe? I think maybe naturally he was kind of the take charge. I'm going to run in first. I'm the guy. I I wonder if naturally he might have been that way. But he learned through all those life experiences that he needed to choose humility. For some of us, that's a choice that you need to make and you're called to make to choose humility. And what he means in this passage is that we put other people first, that we prefer them over ourselves. What that means sometimes, (coughs) sorry, (coughs) what that means is that you give each other grace. I'm... I've already gotten into this, so we're going to keep going. You ready? That means giving each other grace, mask or no mask. Vax or no vax. Natural immunity or vax-induced immunity. Science, science, liberal, conservative. Can you do that? Can you as a Christian extend grace regardless of how people treat you? Oh, I hope so, because that's what we're called to do. We don't have a choice. We've been called to humility That doesn't mean you lay down your ideas or your questions or it doesn't mean that. What it means is you still prefer each other in the middle of that. That's what it means. It doesn't mean that you're right or wrong or they're right or wrong. That's not even the point I'm making today. The point I'm making today is that we serve each other and we treat each other as Christ would treat them. And he would do that with grace. Now, he did speak the truth in love, and I think that's still appropriate. But we serve each other in humility. That's a tough thing to do sometimes. You know what else it means? means you're the first to apologize it means you're the first to make restitution it means that you greet each other and get out of your comfort zone and do what you need to do you give people a place of honor you listen to their worries and concerns i don't hug everybody because not everybody likes that i get it i don't shake everybody's hand because some people are more comfortable doing something else I try to give distance i try to wear a mask when that helps people feel more comfortable because i care about them I honor and I prefer them. You know what you need to do? No matter what people are doing with you, pray, hope, love, serve. The fruit of the Spirit is still the fruit of the Spirit, no matter how much stress we're under. But what do you do about the pressure? What do you do about the stress? What do you do about it? Maybe as I'm even talking today, you're thinking, oh, I guess I've done that a little bit. I've done this a little bit. Maybe that's me, maybe not. Maybe you're like, that's my husband. In verse 7, he lays out a plan for us under stress as Christians. He says this. The King James that I grew up with said, cast all your cares on him. Cast all your cares on him. The New Living Translation says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Another version says, cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Do you, do you know the word cast? It literally means to throw. To throw, to throw it on him. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I'm thinking, oh, I'll just hand him this or give it to him. Why would Peter say cast it? Probably he was a fisherman. He knew what casting was about. But I think it was also about this, that there's times when those worries and the stress and all of this stuff is building up so much, just handing it over, just a little too genteel. He was saying, no, you throw it on him. Get off of me. I wish it was that easy, though. I wish we could just say, okay, no more stress, I'm done. But he says, cast it on him. 
throw it on him. And why? Because he cares. Do you know what it's like to tell someone <laughs> something? Like say a problem you're having and they don't care? Have you ever had that happen? And that just, just falls flat. You're just kind of looking like, oh, yeah, you, you don't care, do you? I'm just going to stop talking. We, we as humans are like that sometimes. God is never, ever like that. Ever. He cares. You're not alone. And you weren't married. You weren't married. You weren't meant to carry these pressures like that alone. He knows what you're walking through. I think as Christians sometimes, even as I was leading the prayer time after worship, where there's times where we think, well, you know what? Things aren't going God, God, good. God doesn't like me anymore. Or he's not good. <laughs> the thing is, when Paul and Silas were in jail, they were praising him, not because they had been beaten and whipped and sitting in cha- chains in a dungeon, but because he was good. He's good. And he cares. The God of the universe cares for you. I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. I'm not good at listening to more than one thing at a time. I don't know about you. I know they say that kids can do it. Women are better at it than men. I know I've mentioned this, that, that you know, men, as we get older, like there's communication between the lobes of our brain and that stops at a certain age. I mean, it's true. It's just science. How does God listen to each and every one of us? Well, thank God he's not human and not a guy. Thank God he is God and he literally knows every thought of every person everywhere, everywhere. Jesus, what Jesus said, a sparrow doesn't fall to the ground that my father doesn't know. How much more does he know what you're worried about? Every care on your heart, he knows And he cares. So when you talk to him, his eyes never glaze over. He never is not understanding. He never has to say, wait, wait, what were you saying again? He knows. He cares. He loves you. You know how much he loves you? That he knew you before you were even born. Psalm 139 says, he planned out every one of your days before you were knit together in your mother's womb. Even as you were being formed, it even talks about the dark place there, that he knew you, he planned your days, he loved you. I think that's one of the beautiful, cool things about us as humans, that when you are conceived and you are born with unique everything, fingerprints, retina scan, everything is you, he knew you. And if he knew you like that, then he knows every one of your cares. He loves you for that. And I'm going to combine something Paul wrote to a church in Philippians with what Peter's saying now. And this is Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, so don't worry. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he's done. See what he's doing there? You, you tell him for what you need. That's casting your cares on him. And then you thank him for what he's done. You remind yourself of the good things. Because if God did it now, then he can do it again. And it takes your focus off of your problems and puts them on the goodness of God. And then he says, he gives us a promise here. When you do that, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. You could say it like this. God will give you a peace that makes no sense. 
Because if, you were, if you're trying to make things make sense, all this pressure and stress we're under, it makes sense that you're worried and anxious. But what he's saying is, give that, throw that to him, and then instead think about the good things, and then he will give you a peace that transcends all of that. It doesn't make sense. And when people ask you, how are you dealing with this? Only God, because God gives me peace. And then he doesn't even stop there. He says he's going to guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Heart and mind. I think it's different for different people, and it's different for us at different times. Sometimes it's my heart that it's hard for me to calm. Sometimes it's my head. There's times I I wake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, I'm getting up now because I will never sleep the rest of this day. And I give my concerns to him and pour out those thoughts to him. Then he says this. After you've done that, not only is he going to give you peace, guard your heart and mind, then he tells us, think about good things. I don't know about you, it's easy for me to focus on what's wrong. But man, it's so freeing to focus on what's right. And then Peter, back to Peter, gives us even more uh, good instructions. I love this portion, it's kind of the lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. He tells us, he tells us three big things. Stay alert, watch out, and our great enemy is looking to devour you. He is looking to devour you. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does he want to destroy? Everything. He wants to take everything good out of your life. Your life, your soul, your relationships, your happiness, your contentment, your joy, your satisfaction. He wants all of that stressed. He wants all of that ruined. He wants all of that horrible. You ever heard a lion roar for real, for real? I, got a, I had an opportunity to take some students to Ethiopia. The, the lion is their national animal. They're, they're na- in the capital, Addis Ababa. They've got a uh, lion's zoo there. And when we went, they've changed it now because you'll see why. But literally, the lions are just on the other side of a chain link fence. I mean, we were literally like, Poke, I could touch you. A lion's roar can travel up to five miles. The sound, it's that powerful. They say they've been recorded at 114 decibels, which I know is hard to relate to if we don't know sound, like, like obviously, like uh, David Kelly. But you've probably heard a loud chainsaw. That's about 100 decibels. And each 10 increments in the decibel scale is double the volume. So you just imagine that's almost double the sound of a loud chainsaw. The roar of a lion has a function it literally will confuse, panic, and freeze their prey in fear. That's the enemy. He uses all of this stress just to project fear on us. He wants us frozen. He wants us looking and focused and panicked and looking at all the wrong things. Peter says, of, be aware of this so that you are not swallowed by him. You could choose not to focus on him. Pastor Nick could join me here for a minute. That roaring lion wasn't new concept to Peter. I don't know if you remember, but before Jesus uh, died, he told Peter, the devil has wanted to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed, I've prayed for you. 
You may feel alone in all this. I don't know. But just like God is, Jesus prayed for Peter, God is looking out for you in the middle of whatever it is you're walking through. He tells us some very practical things. Stand firm against him, not against each other. I'm going to add my own parentheses here. Stand firm against the enemy, not each other. Stand strong in your faith because Jesus wins. And remember, we're not in this alone. We are together in this. I'm going to ask you to shut your eyes for a minute as we think through some of this. So what do you do with this? Everything you've heard today. What do you do? I think one of the first things to do is this. You need to acknowledge that it's tough right now. And it's been tough for a long time. This particular season we're in as a world, as a country, has added stress to everything else in life that's just normal stress. Being a kid is tough. Being being an adult is tough. Being in a marriage is tough. Being single is tough. All those things are tough on their own. And then you add this, it's tough. We need to realize that. But we also need to realize that it's probably not going away today or tomorrow. We also need to realize that you can fight this. You do not have to give in and be buried by all this stress. You know that we're in this together and ultimately God wins. So what do you do with this? What do you do? What do you do? I feel like God would say to you today, you need to talk to somebody, a friend, counselor, your spouse, talk to somebody. A lot of times just describing the stress you're under relieves it. It helps drain its power away. You need to join a group. This is not a shameless plug, but it's true. I'm looking forward to Prime Timers Tuesday night. I'm looking forward to that group. And I'm looking forward to seeing the different ones, 55 and older. And if you're part of that group, I encourage you to come. Six Six, uh, six o'clock. It's a wonderful time together. And I look forward to seeing people laugh and talk around the tables. It's a beautiful thing. Our other connect groups, check, check them out. Come to a Wednesday night class. Get out of your comfort zone and meet somebody here. Maybe you've been a little standoffish, but fight through that and talk to somebody. They're probably feeling the same thing and wondering why you don't talk to them and you're wondering why you, they haven't talked to you. And We need each other. I would challenge you to turn down the news and the internet and social media and turn up worship music, prayer, Bible reading. We're having a worship night tonight and it's something we love to do, but but you need to come and be part of that and just allow God to minister to your heart as you minister to him. If you took the first word of all those things I said, you need to talk, you need to join, you need to come, you need to get out, you need to turn down and turn up. With your heads bowed today, I, I know that some of you are here and maybe you're thinking, I need help with this. I need God to help me with this. And if that is you, just with your eyes closed, just in privacy, I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray in general for us, but I see hands up all over the room and I appreciate the honesty there. I'm going to pray for you in a minute here. But I also want to pray if Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus at all for your relationship with him. And as I've been talking, maybe it was a part when I said God knows you and cares about you. Maybe it's a part where I said he knew you before you even created. Maybe something else that's triggered in your heart and mind and you realize I need to trust him with my life. 
Anybody like that here today? Just raise your hand and we'll pray with you. You can let us know online if that's you. You can either put it in the chat or email us. We're happy to pray with you. Okay, I'm going to ask you all to stand with me, please. So get ready to dismiss the service. We'll, we'll have an extended time of prayer in the service tonight. I hope you come where we'll pray for people. But I want to pray for each, each and every one in this room today. And I want to send you out. Those of you who raise your hands, I want to just pray with you this morning. Father, we come before you and I'm so grateful that you love us. I'm overwhelmed by the fact that you love us. This amazing creation you provided for us, the, the opportunity to have a relationship with you that you provided for us, your son's sacrifice to make that relationship happen. God, we're grateful for those things. Right now we come before you as people who are under stress. There's a lot going on. I just pray in the name of Jesus that as we throw these things onto you, that just as your word says, that you would guard our hearts and minds, that you would give us a peace that doesn't make any sense. You'd help us to think on those things. We praise you for all these things in your son's name this morning. Amen. God bless you this morning as you head out. Greet some people. You can, you can even say, you know, hey, how long have you been here? They won't, they won't think a thing about it.